Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. this vision for a while, um, if you are new around here, this congregation, this evening service, this English community, if we want to put it this way, planted a morning church recently, which started last week. And um, just again, want to honor everyone here for your faith and uh, your work in the field that's going well with the morning service. There's a lot of new people coming up, um, asking for community, asking to connect, and um, it would not be possible if there was not an evening community which grew in a way that God created capacity that we could extend the kingdom by planting, which is the heart of God. Amen. That's just awesome. We're also growing in uh, different ways. Um, Maria and Yanda, would you just quickly stand up? I don't know you don't want to, but just do it because I'm the boss. You know, <laughs> and just, just wave. This is Maria and Yanda, and they led worship in our church for the first time this morning and this evening. Let's give them a clap. Thank you. So we could have Cole and, and Mills and, and Carla when she's back from a baby keep on doing it, but we are allowing ourselves to believe that God wants to raise new leaders. So last week, Danelle was leading for the first time, and we're seeing so many disciples being raised up um, in different ways. Isn't that amazing? So, okay, so tonight, Jesus in Secunda, part two, part one last week. They don't build on one another. Uh, it's on the same playing field, but you haven't missed anything if you connect it. Uh, tonight for the first time with part two. I see that one is written in Greek. You see that little sign there? It means two. Okay. <laughs> um, so what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to get into quite a large passage of scripture in John 4, and we're going to read it together. Uh, by the way, in the mornings we do the same message, Brian and myself. It's just Afrikaans. So if for a weird reason you could not make an evening service, you're always welcome to come and visit in the morning, practice your Afrikaans hearing. Okay, there's a few English people in the morning and they've got the English Bibles and they try and follow. They're doing well. They don't like you guys, that's why they come in the morning. <laughs> love God, love people, reach the world. If you've been around here for longer than two days, you've seen this, heard this, and we're going to keep saying it. Vision needs to be repeated. We are focusing on this this year and every year, but we are just saying it so that we know what we do. You know, sometimes you do something right and you don't know how, but it just works. And we figure that this is what works in our community, to focus on loving God, which mostly speaks to a Sunday, mostly. But what happens here, you, you hear for God. Okay, Yes, there's someone next to you, but you actually get to worship God yourself and to hear, and, and these boxes touch, okay, that's not a mutually exclusive, but mostly at church you come to receive the word. One person speaks most of the time, and then everyone speaks at the back when we chat. But mostly love God, church, love people, where we learn to engage and learn to love people that's different than us, at small group, mostly, okay, and then reach the world 
every, every minute of the week, even here and even at small group. We'll never stop until the job is done. Amen? Right, let's get into this scripture. John chapter 4. I'm going to read it nice and slow. Uh, I've timed it at home this morning at 6 o'clock when I was just rehearsing my sermon. And in Afrikaans, it took about four and a half minutes to read through. All right? So um, I guess it's going to be around four to five minutes. Let, just sit in the word, in the scripture. It's a story. It's not a parable. This really happened. Enjoy it. I'm going to be nice and slow, maybe here and there. Just stop myself to uh, tell you guys what's going on. But let's work through it. And then at the end, we're going to land on three things that I believe God is speaking to us about. Talking about Jesus, when we start that, he left, Jesus left Judea and departed again to Galilee. On his way to Galilee, from Jerusalem actually, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar. Now in Afrikaans, it's literally spelled cigar. The O Afrikaans of Italian. <laughs> Near the field that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, that's about 12 o'clock midday. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. How many men does it take to buy food? Twelve. <laughs> you know, I don't know. This morning I said, I think they're carrying cappuccinos. Because, I mean, you know, then you need all of them. Or maybe six of them had cappuccinos for the twelve, and then the other six bought some bread. You don't know. But they were twelve, okay? They were very hungry. Imagine we had more men on the hospitality team. We'd have all the church inspired before church to buy food. Any case, any case. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. That's the note of the writer John. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So Jesus is talking, she's talking, he's talking, and we're following this conversation. So she replies, she says, so you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his son and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him, never, sorry, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband 
And the woman answered, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one when, excuse me, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Sorry, I cut you guys off a little bit. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our father worshipped on this mountain. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is of the Jews. And here's a point. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. Just, just tap the person next to you and say, "Shenoch vaker, this baie skrif is a mondvol. This is pizza met steak in krevel. Okay, this baie. Okay, they continuing their talk. Now the woman says, verse twenty-five. I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking to a woman. But no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? And I'm just skipping a few verses. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Sorry, then I skip a few verses where I'm going to get to when I preach again. Many Samaritans, verse 39, from that town believed in him because of a woman's testimony. He told me all I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them And he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. We know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Now the piece I left out is just Jesus' conversation with his disciples. And I'm going to focus on that next time. All right, It's quite a long piece. You know, normally you can... You can preach from God's word in two to three or four scriptures if you really pull them apart. We've got 42 here. So what we're going to do is from the big picture, just zone in on what I feel that God is just lifting up for us for tonight. And I will spend some more time on this account next time. But let's just quickly talk about the Samaritans. Now, um, it says in John 4, 4, he had to pass through Samaria. Now, that's an interesting little note that John puts in there. Now, the Samaritans were a group of people that was hated basically by people around them, all right? Even groups of people that hated one another also hated, they agreed on hating the Samaritans, which is quite weird. What happened a few hundred years before Jesus came, the kingdom of Israel was falling apart after King David. Uh, You you know the book of Kings, it says every man did what was right in his own eyes and everyone was evil and every, it seems like every son being born was worse than its father. That's what scripture says. 
up to one stage where God allows the Assyrians to come in and push the Israelites out of their country. It's called the exile. That's where the book of Isaiah is written. They're speaking from exile. They're speaking in faith. Lord, we remember the days when we were a nation. And, and then the prophet Isaiah comes and says, once again, you know what? Um, the whole scripture, arise and shine for your light has come. I know the plans I have for you is upon an Israel kicked out of their country. There's nothing left. They don't have a temple. They've got nothing. But now what the Assyrian king did is he brought people from Babylon and he brought them to Samaria. But there were some people left after the exile and those who were left, the Israelites, married the Babylonian people who came and lived there with them during the exile time. They married them, they procreated and they became the Samaritans known here. Now the problem with them is the Israelites hate them because they're not pure Israelites. They intermarried with the Babylonians. They are mixed Jews with others. But the Gentiles, the people that's not Israelites at all, also hate them because you mixed with Jews. <laughs> it's just hard to be a Samaritan, okay? Just, it's just hard. This is my blowball to this, okay? Niemand stem for you. As he leaves in your spiel, skrifer he leaves, he cheetahs in your spiel. Okay? And I'm a bull. I know what it's like to be a Samaritan, okay? In our new work. I'm more hardy bullen. Interesting verse. He had to pass through Samaria. Now, the key here is that what it's trying to say to us is Jesus had to go through Samaria because he was led to go through Samaria. There was roads created for Jews traveling from Jerusalem to rather go on instead of going through Samaria for the fear of having to deal with those filthy people. Incredible. Do you understand how powerful the story or the parable of the Good Samaritan actually is? Jesus is saying that there's one or there's people, there can be people more righteous than you. And that those people can be the Samaritans and it offended the Pharisees. And we're in the same boat here. But he had to pass through Samaria because there was waiting for him a woman at a well. It was a God appointment. It's like going, it's almost like stopping. You're going to Cape Town, but you're stopping because the Spirit leads you to stop in certain towns and stay over because you might connect with, I don't know, the owner of Airbnb or something. That's more or less what's happening here. Let's us think how Spirit-led we really are. Amen. So that's the Samaritans. But now, here is the interesting story. I'm just cutting a little bit of a story. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. Now listen, even for Secunda, that's, that's, that's rough, okay? That's, that's rough. Okay. Five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Jesus finds a way to build her up. What you have said is true. It's amazing. So it's not only that it's a Samaritan, because even if it's a Samaritan that was standing in, a, let's call it a beautiful marriage, they would be despised by the Jews. Now this woman is not only a Samaritan, she's been married to five different men 
None of those marriages lasted, and now there's another one. Now, let's play with this idea a little bit, because Scripture does not say exactly why or where these men went. Could it be that all of them actually died? Maybe she had a very dangerous dog, you know, that like, <laughs> you know, you don't know. Okay, I mean, I'm, I'm, we're having fun here, but it could be that some of them died, which would permit you to marry again. Uh, and, but, but let's for a moment just imagine all five husbands died. At least you're sitting here with maybe not a lawless woman per se, but a broken woman. Can we agree on that? I mean, have you spoken to someone that has lost a husband? One. It is something. So let's just imagine they all died. Broken woman. And dangerous town. You have to say. But it's probably not what happened because the tone of this conversation with Jesus is that he's, he's pointing out to her sin, which he's willing to forgive because he also mentions her living with his man. So the tone is one of being sexually impure. Okay. Now, I want to show you two scriptures and, and I'm in a good mood tonight, so this might sound like I'm trying to be funny. I, I'm not. There's this scripture. There's a point I want to make here. But look at this. It is better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. Okay. Now, before all the men, you, you can't do that because what scripture is not saying is that women are unbearable to live with. What it's saying is, is to live in conf constant friction with your wife. It's not how it's supposed to be. It's not saying who's right and who's wrong. You might be the one being in sin and she's quarreling with you about that. Okay? You're going to die if you keep on with that. You're going to die if you keep on with that. You are wrong. But just to live like that, it's better to live somewhere else. It's scriptural. Now, it gets worse. It is better to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. Afrikaans it is better to be dak te blij in die hoek op die hoek. So, I don't know, maybe these men fell from the roof. You, do, you don't know. But the point we're trying to make here is being married five times Something about this woman must attract men. And probably it's maybe she's a beautiful woman. And these men overlook what's in her heart up to a certain stage and then they move on. You're dealing with a Samaritan woman rejected by nations. You're dealing with a woman in, Samaritan, in Samaria being rejected by men. There's probably not a person more heartbroken than this woman that can end up in that well. And she's experienced rejection from many sides. And now if you read again, because this part where she says about the five men only comes a little bit later in the account. Now if you go back, you see Jesus asking her and she says, why would you speak with me? You see her defense is coming up because she's been around that block. She's been hurt. She won't open up. 
I will give you living water. You don't even have something to draw with you. No, the Bible doesn't read scripture for you in tones, but you sense, I will reject you before you or before another person can reject me again. But what she does not notice is she probably speaking, well, probably in her mind, but we know now, definitely speaking to the very first man that's not interested in how she looks. And the very part inside of her that is pushing men and people away, that's what he wants to get to. <laughs> and it's not relationship month. That's the kind of husbands Jesus wants to make of us. Those who move beyond outward appearances, willing to connect with a heart, where fountains of living waters are made. It's an example we see here, but let's leave that for relationship month, maybe in May. So we have marriage prep in this church because it would be odd driving down the road and seeing men on rooftops. Okay, I think it's a, one of the main points of the sermon, okay? Let's go on. So Jesus comes and he breaks through three barriers as he engages with this woman. Now, this needs to be applied by all of us in two ways. Firstly, see yourself as a woman on the, at the well. That's us. Okay, that's us. And see and realize what Jesus would go through to connect with you. Because he connects with this woman. Then she goes and changes the town. It's incredible. On the other side, also, if you have a heart for God and he's starting to stir something in your heart for the world out there, he is showing us how to connect, to engage with people out there. And we have to look very clearly. There's at least three things that Jesus shows us with his interaction with this woman. I'm going to be a little bit confrontational tonight, forgive me. But let's do it. John 4 verse 9. Now he's zoning in on, on a specific part. I read about 40 verses. We're going to work within six now. Okay, you've seen the overview. You've seen he came. She was resistant. We're going to re uh, especially read about this resistant dialogue between her and Jesus. You know at the end she goes out. The whole town comes and receives the gospel. That's where it ends. And that's what can happen with a person that God is laying on your heart right now. There's a chance after God has spoken through you to someone that they leave a conversation, walk into an office and change the whole office, the whole school. That's the possibilities once we give things in the hands of God. Isn't that true? The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Now let me tell you, one of the first walls, and often it is the first wall of defense, that the enemy wants to build between you and people, people you are reaching out to, but also put yourself on the other side, 
This is also something the enemy wants you to believe when Jesus is working towards you through other people, is this. In this case, you are of a different race than me. Why would you talk with me? And we can throw into that for this conversation, okay, because we're talking about the world where people think you're different than me, therefore we cannot talk. In South Africa and around the world, race is the one thing. And, and we're going to see now that Jesus has no respect for that wall. And we should not have as a church. Amen? The other wall is class. Now, in that sense, it can be two people of the same race. A race might be totally off the table. But you earn so much, I only work in the garden. What do we have in common? Okay? Class can also build a wall, Right? Well, language can be a wall, right? Okay, I don't want to talk your language. People speak like that, okay? And these are the kind of things that the enemy loves to use to conceal the gospel, to keep it from going out, all right? I don't know how this happens, but sometimes you actually have churches that builds those walls, That is very dangerous. Now, let's see how he answers. It's the very next verse. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. You don't know that God sees no divide. Between people. That's what Jesus is saying. It's clear as daylight. If you knew the gift, what gift? Gift of salvation, the gift of the Christian community, the gift of everlasting life, the gift in Christ. If you knew it, you would understand that I don't see Samaritans, Greeks. We see Paul writing about this. He says the following, he says, For as many of you, we're just jumping to Galatians, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is, so there's, there's racial walls. There, there's no Greek or Jew anymore, right? There's also no slave or free. Class and class doesn't count. Have you put him on or not? <laughs> Can you see that? There is no male and female. In those times, females were treated as lesser people. Christ saying it's wrong. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring. Now, put that into the genealogies. If you believe in Jesus... You are offspring of Abraham. Because it's a spiritual nation that God is building, not a natural one. Any Jews here? Is anyone here that comes from a Jewish background? <laughs> Aubrey, wow. Can't see me. <laughs> now, if it was not for this, none of us would be able to know God, right? He broke it open. 
and he breaks beyond the walls. And so what we are saying in this congregation is that the love of Jesus, number one, conquers the barriers of race and class. That's the first wall we need to break through. And we need to be the representatives of the love of Jesus in this town. Who must do it? The police? The fire department? (laughs) No, the church. We now represent Jesus. He is present through us. Represent Jesus. That's who we, we are him walking up to people willing to break through walls. There will be no divides in this church. Let it be known. Amen? And I think for yourself, for yourself, we come from different places. If there's something burning there, carry it to God. Work with it. Repent of it. Turn away. You are hindering your relationship with a God who sees no walls. Amen? That's the first barrier he breaks through, and it's a barrier that he leads us to break through as well. For us, I'm going to take a look at John 4.11, it's the very next verse. Now the woman responds again after Jesus said, if you knew the gift of life, you would have asked. She says, sir, she gets practical. She gets all engineer on Jesus here. She says, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Okay, she's making an argument with him. He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. The second barrier, and a lot of you live on this, because I I mean, I know this community, I know there's love. I mean, there's not a lot of racial or class barriers here. So you'll you'll experience this a lot. The, The barrier of consistent arguments all right who's faced that only me come on who's faced that at work okay so you'll hear something like this yo you know what i I feel god working my heart but what about the dinosaurs okay uh what about carbon dating what about oh can god create a rock so big that even he can't pick it up I mean, it's the stuff that comes out of people's mouth. Don't laugh. And let me tell you what, there's incredible smart Christian scientists out there that God gives the calling to answer difficult questions. They are there. They answer them all. Good God and evil, God in our pain. There's answers for all those things. But I think what Jesus is trying to tell you is you don't need to know all those answers to be an effective worker in, it, in the field. Because even though we want to show as Christian apologists, which is those, those people defending the faith and answering all those difficult questions, we want to show that God is very smart. But what we even see here is Jesus does not argue the point because he knows that arguments does not save lives. Arguments will not save lives. 
It just gets people mad. All right? So is Jesus greater than Jacob? He made the man, all right? <laughs> he made the man. He's called the God of Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob. But he does not answer that question. Check it out. This is what he says. He says, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What Jesus is addressing here is the God-shaped hole. That's what he's doing. He's saying, listen, you've got all this question, but let me tell you something or agree with me. You need something. He knows how many husbands she had. They're not even there yet. But he's saying what you need is something eternal that's sweet, that comforts in the spirit, that will be like water welling up. We're sitting at a pit. You're here to draw. You have to draw every day. And you like getting by day by day. You're just making it. But what if, and Jesus shifts it spiritually, there is something in you spiritually that can happen that can cause water in your heart to come up. He's talking about the possibility that God can change her life. He doesn't argue back. Number two, your living, living testimony conquers arguments. There's some people here that I would not enjoy to know before they met Jesus. My good friend Brown is one. <laughs> people in this town can't believe he's a pastor. His name is on the board there as pastor, but his name is also in the archives of the police station. Okay, it's everywhere. Now, the thing is... <laughs> but you know what that is? You can have arguments and talk stories and fight about Bible translations, which, by the way, is such a waste of breath. Or you can look at the man's life and say, I don't know how the heck that happened. It's living water swelling up. Here's another one. Umauch changed before my eyes. That's a living testimony. Who can argue with that? So we can argue about stuff. And there's answers for that, but that's not the point. The point is what you really need is to connect with God who wants to address what's going on here. And so I want to address this for us both ways. Maybe you're one of those people that wants to fight, wants to fight. Listen, there's a mystery box, everything we won't know. Everything. We will never know how it looked when Jesus created stuff. Okay. There's stuff we see that makes great sense, and we're going to have a guy from creation ministries here as well. But don't let the enemy build barriers between you and God with arguments that goes on and on and on and on and on. Because some of those things God will only answer on the other side of salvation. Amen? That's why it's called faith. 
The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Like, that's, exa- that's after Jesus said, you know, you had five husbands. She said, I perceive you're a prophet. Yeah, you perceive it 100%. I mean, the man just told you what's going on in your personal life and didn't know you. That's a good perception. And then she, she shifts to the third gear, another barrier. Want to take, we, want to, we want to take a guess. No, you were here this morning. What's here, Estelle? Religion. Or one could say dead religion. She says, our fathers worshipped on this mountain. Now she talks worship to the prophet, you see. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Ever happened to you? you, you you're loving this guy. Listen, we, we love sinners, right, in this place. Uh, we, all, we all are. And it's just by God's grace that sometime grace just got hold of us and and we're a church i would love to be known in town the church that loves sinners okay um and and i remember myself very well but sinners are funny okay they're funny so the one day my first day on the rugby field this one guy you know what he makes the most filthy jokes the whole training i mean it's it is literally at the end of the session no one knows i'm a pastor i'm just checking out like trying to catch names so I can write it down and pray for these people. And because uh, uh, it, it was my mission field, right? <laughs> so, so this guy, but he's the clown. I mean, he's entertaining these people for two hours through fitness, but it's the worst of jokes and words. Someone asks at the end, who's going to pray? Guess who's going to pray? The very same guy. And he prays and quotes scripture. He says, Lord, thank you for your word in 1 Corinthians 10, 30, uh, verse 31. That we can do all things for Jesus. And I'm like, wow. I mean, what is going on in this town? I mean, and, and, and you know what? That man got saved, gave his life to Jesus in this church. Sinners are funny. We all are. The stuff we say and do. So the one guy, you know, and you've all encountered this. I'm just having some fun. It's okay. So, so we... we um, we're spending time with this one person, but he's, he's just behaving like really, like I said, I love Christians, so I don't care. I mean, and the moment he hears I'm a pastor, he tells me I've got a Bethel CD in my car. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's exactly what this woman is doing. I mean, the moment she perceives he's a prophet, she's like, she talks spiritual stuff, you know, because you've heard something. Um, but, but this um, holiday, we, we were a family. And so they're starting to talk spiritual stuff. And, they, they, and, and so this one girl, she's running the conversation. And she says, yeah, like when Jesus was in prison. <laughs> and, and, and then she, she says the names of the disciples, but she's got like Noah in there and stuff. And I'm like, God, I love these people. You know, I, I really do. I really do. And I'm not just making fun of him. I make fun of myself as well. It's just all hearts crying out for Jesus. Amen. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. She, she brings a spiritual talk. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Because that's what the Jews said. That's not what Jesus said. That's what the Jews said. You see, we make rules and we create these talk. People, people, there's so many religions out there today because people attempt to build a way to God. And 
And every year there's another, there's a new one, you know. We get the all roads to heaven one, okay? We get, as long as you're spiritual, acknowledge being, we've got agnostic, put it in the atmosphere and it comes back. And, 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 and that's, let's call it dead religion. It's man's way of attempting to get to God because there is this God-shaped hole. And so people, they attempt, you know, to, to find a way to him. But Jesus is God's attempt to get to man. And there he is, sitting at the well. And she talks about religion, and this is what he says. He says, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor Jerusalem will you worship the Father. It's not important where you worship. It's important that you worship. Listen, if you're visiting here, it's not important that you join this church. That's not good for marketing. Eh? It's not good for building church. But it is the truth. What is important is not that you join this church. What, what is important is that you worship. You join a, a church where worship can be inspired and you feel, hey, I want to go, I want to worship, I want to grow, and I can grow, all right? Where is not the key, all right? So he goes to the heart. The answer for religious talks is always heart worship, okay? You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour is coming and now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. What Jesus is actually saying to this woman, If the society cast you out because you've had five husbands, let me tell you what, I won't cast you out. The Father won't. But worship Him with that brokenness and all you have. Don't hide it from the Father. I love you just the way you are, but you have to come with everything you are. You have to be real. On the mountain, in the shower, on the rooftop, it, it, it's all irrelevant but with your whole heart. That's what he's saying. And so when the religious walls are being built up and people around you, it's like you praying for these people, you know they need God, but they sense to latch onto some sort of spirituality and Jesus is in there and you're like, Lord, how do I reach these people? Because I think they believe they know you, but they're suffering in their marriage and I'm just crying out for them. What do you do? What do you do? You carry on with endurance. Your living relationship, your living relationship with Jesus conquers the barriers of dead religion. The next slide, please. The living relationship with Jesus causes you not to only list stuff you do, it changes the person you are and people see it and they love it because it's in them to reach for that the 
So we've got a great work in this town. And I also want to say if, let me just tell the story and, and, and finish off and then we can pray. It's such a great story. It's, it's so incredible that our king goes and seeks out probably the most, you know, I don't know, okay, but one of the most broken people in Samaria. I mean, how many women get to marry and divorce five times? I mean, it's quite an achievement. It is heartbreak. He finds that one. That's the Jesus we serve. And we sometimes think, I should, I should talk with this person at work because they're like almost already with God, you know? They'll be easier to engage and invite. I'm telling you, go for the broken. Like much more in need of Jesus, right? So, I hear this story. Obviously, we're talking here about a church with a heart for Jesus. Love God, love people, reach the world, and reaching people like this woman. And, I, and I'm a person like this woman, if I'm honest. So this one man, pastor tells a story, great story. I'm going to repeat his story because it touched me deeply. This pastor goes and he buys a second-hand car from some other salesman. Okay, now, second-hand car salesman, they, they're not always known for the right reasons, right? Because there's always, there's always like an exhaust for the whole thing of those big duct tape or profits. You never know. But God connects his heart to this man and, and, and actually gets a good car. And a week after he bought the car, he phones this man just to say thank you. Just to say, you know what? Thank you for the car. I am enjoying the car. And the man's like, oh. People don't do that. And people don't phone me back and say thank you. They, mean they phone me and they shout at me or swear or this stuff. I don't always know with the cars. He says, no, I want to say thank you for the car. Um, it's exactly what I needed. You helped me with that. And the pastor says, when I come back in your area, can I take you for lunch? It'll be great. The guy said, oh, no one's ever offered that. 100%, it'll be great. So a month later, they go and they eat lunch together. And they talk about the car. He says he's still happy. Thanks, the man. And the man asks, what do you do? And he says, I am a pastor. And I know what it looks like when you reveal that once people have known you for a while and then you say, I'm a pastor. They're like, oh, and you, you see they want to say, like, I'm sorry for swearing the last hour and stuff like that because they think, you know. <laughs> and so this man opens his heart and he says, but you don't behave like a pastor. And he says, but you don't behave like a second-hand car salesman. And the man tells a story. He says, 20 years ago, I went to church. I was in primary school, and I started to enjoy church. I started to enjoy going there. Uh, uh, we sang songs. I, I, you know, they, they gave me a Bible. I started to read it. And, and stuff in the Word, and as we were singing, it started to impact me. And, and I was excited about my future. And then one day we did something stupid. Myself, a couple of friends, went into one of the classrooms at church and we trashed the place. Broke the windows, turned over the tables. We, 
And I mean, his words, he's like, I don't know why we did it. We're children. Okay. Now, one of the children in that classroom was the pastor's kid. Okay. So the next week in church, the pastor calls that young man, the salesman, to the front and says, this child has a bad influence on the children of our congregation, including my son. You're a bad person, he tells the little kid. And he says, I want you to go and never come back. He says, for 20 years, I haven't been back to church. That's a woman at a well waiting for someone to break through and say, I'm just like you. There's a possibility of those water, that fountain in you to well up again and bring forth sweet water. And that's what Jesus is doing with this woman. That kid was rejected once 20 years ago. This woman rejected five times. Jesus walks in. Jesus in Secunda. <laughs> that's us. Those people are out there, amen? We know them. And so what I also want to say, and, and we do this every now and then, and I'm very sincere when I do this, because it's happened to me as well, is if you've been pushed out of church in this way, I want to say sorry, and I mean it from my heart. Because it happens. And it might be because we're not perfect that we cause you to experience that a little bit. And we, I, I say sorry, but, but speak up. It's not the heart. Amen. Last slide. The woman goes to the town. She says, come and see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? What she's trying to say is, he knows everything I did, yet did not push me away. I'm out. I think it's the real deal. Let's stand tonight and respond to what the Holy Spirit is doing amongst us. I want you for a moment where you stand to if you feel comfortable, just to close your eyes and just be aware of what's, what's stirring in your chest, what's stirring in your spirit. My work here tonight and the work of our congregation is only to facilitate what God is stirring in you. I'm not yet to tell you what to do when you go home. The Holy Spirit goes with you and before you.